Welcome to The Contrast Show, a strikingly different conversation. What does it take to be strikingly different in the world today? Join expert coaches Christine Nielsen, Heather Arthur, and John Roberto as they tackle today's most pressing issues, sharing insights to what's causing friction in your business and impacting your bottom line. If you'd like to learn more about The Contrast Group, please visit us at contrastresults.com or connect with any of us on our social media channels. Thank you and enjoy the show. Everybody, welcome to The Contrast Show, a strikingly different conversation. And the question for today's podcast is, are you designing work that people love? And we've been thinking about this question because we've been reading the news articles, we've been reading the previews, we've been reading the blogs, and everybody's talking uh, talking about having a successful workplace. And what does that mean? So Christine, we'll open it up with you. What does it mean to have or design a workplace that people love? I think the question is in response to a need where there's a lot of vacancies and people are rethinking the model of work ultimately and have been for several long months. And so we've been talking about engagement, how to retain employees, how to keep great talent. But at the heart of that, what we're really looking at is, are you designing and incorporating work people love? So how, why do people love work? And you know, we all get up every morning because, you know, with a purpose in mind, we want to go to work for fulfillment, to make a difference or make a positive impact. And that's really why we get up to go to work wherever we're, whether we're going downstairs into the office or whether we're going physically into a building, it doesn't matter. It's who am I going to be today? And in the design of work now, we're often asking people to do work that isn't necessarily the stuff they love to do. And if they're doing too much of the stuff they don't love, guess what happens? They leave. So are you incorporating enough of that? Yes, there's always going to be the dragons they have to slay and the work they don't we don't love to do, especially if you're an entrepreneur. But there's also having you know enough momentum around work we really do love to do and making sure that there's some of that balance and pushing the envelope on it. Does that make sense? <laughs> Yeah, no, it does. It definitely makes sense. And so I got a couple of questions, but before we go there, I want to get Heather's uh, opinion in and around this about workplace and and creating a a place where people love to go. You know, when you think about the work that we do, it's what's the emotions that it creates in us and how do we feel successful and how do we feel powerful and that we're playing to our strengths. And Christine's absolutely right. There's, there's a portion of our day that, you know, we're going to have to do things that we don't love to do, but if that's your entire day and you do that day in and day out, it's going to be hard to get out of bed in the morning. But if that's just a portion of your day and you've actually scheduled and designed your work around that, uh, the, the work that isn't the best of your abilities, or you actually have surrounded yourself with team members that are really good at those things. Those are two ways to design work that people love. But, you know, it comes back down to the emotional state of ourselves and the people that we work with. And when we have a sense of belonging and a sense of feeling valued, which of course we're going to feel when we are working at our best and doing things that we'd love to do, that's a recipe for success for every single employer and employee, because now the synergy is going to get created at the highest level. And you know, work doesn't feel like work when you're just in flow. So imagine how do you create this flow in workspaces, in workplaces, in 
in the actual job description so that when you're looking for new talent, people are like, whoa, I want to work there. And that's what we're up against right now. And I'll tell you, I'm not seeing very many employers that are winning this game right now. <laughs> no, it seems like every day I look at uh, whether it's LinkedIn or some other um, you know, work platform, there is somebody leaving an organization. It's crazy. I've never seen this. And I thought, you know, the great, res- the, re- the great resignation was earlier or late last year, but it's continuing on into this year. It, people are still going like people are not, people aren't going to settle for just the, 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 you know, the day-to-day and, you know, just doing the work that they don't like to do. Like, it, and it's prevalent, it's everywhere. I'm, I'm seeing it in everything I read. It's, it's kind of crazy. But, you know, the one question that I have, and I want to I want to pose this question to both of you, is as a leader, how do you manage that? How do you take care of, you know, getting people to do the work they love to do? But then, like both of you mentioned, there's also that work that you need to do, not that you like to do, but you need to do. So as a leader inside of an organization, even as an entrepreneur, how do you get those people motivated? How do you get those people enticed or excited about doing the stuff they don't like to do? So Christine, let's start with you. Well, I think it comes back to parenting skills. <laughs> Ultimately, <laughs> there's a little bit of bribery involved. There might be some motivation. There might be a carrot and a stick. No, I as I jest with that, it actually comes back to understanding the psychology behind Mm -hmm. what makes us tick. So the neuroscience, the psychology, we all understand that we all have, you know, either we're running away from pain or running towards pleasure. So we want less pain in our lives and more pleasure. So if you can start to make games and, you know, younger generations of employees love gamification, they love to be able to have games. So if you can create At contrast, we call it our slaying dragons moments. So what dragons will you slay, which is the work you probably have either been putting off because you or procrastinating on or you're not doing because it's not in your wheelhouse or your super strength. And so how do you how do you create games out of, you know, slaying dragons and really having some fun with those things and create a community of accountability around that? So big wins when you're doing stuff that you don't necessarily want to be doing, but it's necessary for the business. And it doesn't have to be loud and obnoxious like slaying dragons, but it could also be those small things. Then the reward on the other side of that is creating more room for people to actually share why they love what they do. Like understanding and having weekly touch points or monthly monthly seminars or sessions with why do you love what you do and what do you love the most about it? So you're literally giving people an opportunity to enroll themselves into the work that they're doing ongoingly. And you're reminding them it's it's literally they'll say it. They'll share it like, I love this. Why? Why is that important? And continuing down the, the frontier of why does that matter to them, which then it, it actually reminds them of why they get up in the morning. <laughs> and if you do that frequently enough, it displaces all the stuff, they, the, the work they don't love to have to do, mm. right? So if we're only focusing on slaying dragons and we're not getting underneath our real purpose, then it all it becomes is about the work that we don't love. And that's where we see people kind of voting with their feet. Heather's nodding. Yeah, Heather's nodding. I'd love to get your your opinion on this one. For sure. I think, Christine, the word that jumps out at me is purpose. And 
I'll tell my own story and and I I may have shared this on this podcast before but it's it's still so relevant you know when I was a younger leader I felt that my measurement of success was did I read all my email that day and that that is not anyone's measurement of success so if that's how you end your day please stop that right now and but I had to reevaluate then what is my purpose what is a measurement of daily success and what I came to the conclusion was I'll play it to my superpower if I'm positively impacting others as a leader in the organization and in the world. And so I just decided to make my own KPI around this, which was positively impacting five people a day. And this simple act of daily ritual became then a process that activated my thinking of, okay, who am I going to positively impact today? How could I do that? How could I influence others to step into their leadership ability? And five people easily became 10 people, 15 people, 20 people. I I truly believe that that one decision to play on purpose every single day helped me become the next level of leader and helped others become the next level of leader. And it was that simple act of the daily ritual. And then I incorporated that into asking that question into our team meetings, into our our daily touch points is, you know, who are you positively impacting today to help people see that rituals really help us be on purpose because the ritual will, it's, it's like a mechanism. It's a reminder every single day. It's not by accident that we're being our powerful selves. It's on purpose. Yeah. It almost sounds like, and and what I'm hearing, it goes back to purpose. And I know we've talked about purpose in, in some of our other podcasts as well. And it almost feels like organizations have lost maybe over the last two years because of what's been happening with this whole pandemic and readjusting and shifting work environments, uh, creating a different type of work environment for people to work in. And now that we are returning back into the office and we're we're going back to what seems like back to normal, I hate to use that word because there is no, like this is a whole new normal, that we're in a brand new world. We're doing stuff completely different than where we were before. So from an organizational perspective, how do you bring that back when the organization itself has lost its sense of purpose, right? Because this is what I think is happening is these organizations, you know, and you see it, you see it in the news, record profits for these organizations. And from from an exterior perspective, from an outsider's purview of it, it's like, oh man, these guys just care about money. They're cutting off, they're, they're laying off people, they're letting people go. Where's the purpose part? Right. Like if you're so tied to purpose and you're so tied to culture, you're so tied to taking care of your people. Where is that showing up? Because that's not showing up in the media. I just don't see it. So help me understand. So how, you know, either one of you just kind of jump in here. But how does the company go back to identifying or, you know, putting it out there that this is what our purpose is? This is where we're at, because I feel like that's been lost. I love that you asked the question in a way that you did. Because you said, how does the company go back to identifying the purpose? You don't. You don't Mm -hmm. go back there. You you reinvent it from where you are right now. And you reinvent it going forward. And you include people in that reinvention. You start by asking them the question, what do you think the purpose of our business is? Why are we still in business? Why should we be in business tomorrow? What is the intention or purpose of our business in the next five to 10 years? And then you start to 
really reinvent the company newly? And how will that reinvention shape forward? Which means that you're risking pissing off your shareholders. You're risking your, you know, your stock going up and down when you're starting a reinvention process because you're not going back to traditional methodologies. You're inventing newly with the people who are actually doing the work in your business. Mm-hmm. And that's the opportunity that every business, it doesn't matter how big or small, reinventing those paradigms and shifting the way we even think about doing work newly is is what I say will allow the companies that will be innovative and agile to move forward more quickly. Mm-hmm. The ones that don't are doing what you just talked about, John, which is trying to reinvent the the wheel from yesterday and make that model work in today. Yeah, they're just shining it up with some uh, extra, whatever, some oil spray, to make it shiny, but it's still apple. the it's same ugly tire, painted, right? Like, like you've ever yeah. sprayed something gold or and made it new and shiny, and then all of a sudden it, it doesn't weather the storm and the paint starts chipping off and you can tell yeah. that it was spray painted or refurbished. John, I want to add to Christine's uh, because one finances and the revenue of companies often takes president or that feels like it's the North star. Mm -hmm. And one thing that happens in those situations is it shifts in the company and then the sales team or the revenue generating team become the star pupils of the whole team. So one of the things we have to do in that reinvention process that Christine was talking about is make sure that everyone in the organization sees how they contribute to that North star. So, you know, if you've got a service team that, you know, is there for catching the customers uh, afterwards, you know, how do they play a role in driving revenue and retaining customers? If you've got our collection department, how do they, make sure that they understand that they're collecting funds. How about right down to, you know, the, 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 the frontline workers that are in your organization that might be behind the scenes, they're contributing too. So whatever that reinvention is, that purpose is for the company, everyone has to see the role that they play in that purpose and not make any one department or one group the stars of the show. It is only possible because everyone is being collaborative in achieving that purpose. So, so that's great. And I love that you talked about that because what I'm hearing is recognition, right? It's not just recognition of the star performers because even the sales team that have record-breaking numbers, the reason they reach that is because of what's happening on the back end. And we never, and actually somebody who's been in IT for years, you know, the one thing I, I, I never felt was recognized for what was happening on the front end because we built all the back end systems. We had all the stability in place, the redundancy, all that other stuff that makes the business work, but there was no recognition for it. Yeah. So it almost sounds like you need some sort of recognition program right across the board. It's not just numbers. It's not just uh, recognition for achieving certain targets within a particular group because that group is supported by all the other groups. And we forget that. Leaders, don't forget that there's a whole team behind you. It's not just one department that does it all. Christine, I see you want to jump in here. You want to say something? You said something, and I want to challenge this. You said we need a recognition program. How about we need leaders who recognize the mm-hmm. power of every contribution? and When I say leader, that doesn't mean the CEO or the person with the title manager or director or senior VP. Leaders show up everywhere. So if you're you're in an organization and you're a leader, you will 
you will gravitate towards recognizing everyone's contribution because you can see it. That's what makes you a leader. The title doesn't make you a leader. And if you have to put a program of recognition in place so that people are, you know, get the checkbox that there's a program for recognition and, and awards, you're probably not inherently doing it in the culture and it's not part of the fabric of your business. Yeah. It's almost like, yeah, it's almost like you need to build it into your leaders. So training, coaching, which is one of those things I know is incredibly important. I know a lot of organizations are going that way as well, where they're building and creating internal coaching programs so they can teach the leaders to do the recognition. So they don't need these big, massive, you know, recognition programs out there to recognize the day to day. And it could be, and I, and I've done it, and I've seen it, you know, in the past where, you know, with t- particular teams, as part of our daily call, it's like, what were, what were our wins this week? What did we win? What did we accomplish? And where do we still need some help? So even those little things, I think that's what's going to keep those people still working inside your workplace because people are leaving and people aren't sticking around for, you know, lack of recognition. They're not they don't feel appreciated. They don't feel safe. They don't have all those things outside of money and pay and compensation, which is another big thing. And we're even seeing organizations shift that way. You got to do the recognition piece. Okay. So as we start to wrap up this episode of the podcast, just one final thought. So if you were to give a leader some feedback on what they should be doing right now to create a better workplace for their employees, what would that one tip be? I know there's so much here. We could talk about this for hours, but just one thing, please. For me, it would be do, think about the people that you either have reporting to you or that you surround yourself on a regular basis. And do you know what makes them feel valued and a sense of belonging? And if you don't know those answers, you can't just say, hey, John loves it when this happens or this is what he's his superpower is. Then you got to get curious. You got to get to know your team. And ask them for a coffee date and ask them that question. You know, what makes you feel most powerful at work? And, you know, when you get curious with the people around you, you will be just so surprised and excited about what you can learn, but you got to be curious first. I like that. What makes you feel powerful at work? Great question. Christine. I think my one word is reinvent. Mm. And, you know, there is no going back. There's nothing back there. It's who are we now and where are we going next, which requires reinvention. Yeah. But that's a painful process. No, it's the no? best. It's- John, <laughs> reinvention is so freeing. Imagine shedding the layers of the past so that you're not bogged down by old ways of thinking and processes so that people are freed up to actually design and do the work they love. That's mm-hmm. what reinvention is about. That's a yeah. whole other podcast. I love yeah, that. Yeah, it's a whole other podcast. I love it. But part two. <laughs> yeah, because I, I think there's like some thinking around it's very difficult to do. I don't have time. We got to do our day to day. You're right. It is a whole other podcast. Maybe we'll save that for our next podcast. All right. So that wraps up this episode of the Contrast Show, a strikingly different conversation. If you'd like to learn more about us, check us out on social, check us out on the Contrast results website and that is it for this episode wishing everyone a great one talk to you soon thank you for listening to the contrast show a strikingly different conversation hosted by the contrast results group 
love this episode, head over to our website, contrastresults.com forward slash media, subscribe, rate, and leave a review. You can check out other episodes and learn how you can work with our expert coaches. Tune in every week and let the Contrast Show podcast help you get you to where you want to go. See you at the next episode.